So we started talking about biohacking and and then all of a sudden I realized I'm not sure what the definition of biohacking is. So I, I looked it up and because um, it sounds quite scientific to me. But when I looked it up, it's all about hacking your body or your body's biology. Make changes to your lifestyle. So basically your body becomes a better version. Mm. So it's not so scientific really. No, what I think maybe, I mean, certainly we are not that scientific about it, right? Um, I think what is important in biohacking is, um, is that you, some, well, some people would measure, and that doesn't mean that you have to measure the, the actual body data. You could just measure the feeling it gives you, right? Reflect on it. So that's one thing about biohacking that I think is important. Although, quite, I mean, I can give some examples of what I measure in my own body to make sure that what I'm doing is right. And the other thing is that I think a lot about it is experimenting. Mm. So trying new things out, and if it works, you keep it. And if it doesn't, you chuck it out and try something else. Mm. So uh, I think over the years, I've tried a lot of different things and, and a, you know, less than half probably a lot less than half, would actually become a routine or become an important habit for me. I haven't really measured anything. I mean, I'm not wearing one of those watches or any monitors. And I'm looking at you <laughs> now and I see a ring and I see a watch and I probably have something else on somewhere. Yeah. No, I, I don't measure in terms of uh, using devices to measure, but I suppose what I do measure, I would call it my sense of well-being, uh, and especially when it comes to energy. Hmm. So I do have a inner measurement, if you yeah, like. Exactly. I suppose. But it's interesting that you say biohacking is trying out new things and see what works out, because I think that's why I'm intrigued by it, although I never actually used, for me, the concept biohacking. Yeah. It's just trying out new things. It's my yeah. curiosity, uh, yeah. wanting to try new things. Yeah. yeah, so it's experimenting, trying stuff out, reflect on it, perhaps measure the impact. So what have you tried out? What what are one of the latest things that you've tried out? Uh, what are some of the latest things? Um, well, let's let's start with, I, I read this book a few years ago. It's not the, one of the absolute latest, but um, one a book um, called The Diet Myth. And I think it's probably one of the most important books written about nutrition. Uh, by a British professor, I can't remember his name. Um, and he went through all the different sort of fats around uh, nutrition and dieting and and each one of them debunking it is like, doesn't make sense. Here's the science, here's the science, here's the science. And one of the things that stood up in that book as something that really, really is very healthy is the importance of gut health. So the uh, the importance of the health of the of the the bacteria in the gut and and the way of hacking that if you like uh it's not necessarily modern i mean people have known this for thousands of years of course and that's why ferment fermented foods are so healthy so i got into fermenting my own foods i tried out quite a few different ones i ended up only doing one thing which is making my own kefir and i drink my own homemade kefir which has like 30 different strands of healthy bacteria in it. Hmm. So so that's one. You can also see 
I'm just thinking about what became available for, you know, for all of us, much more easily available at least. I'm now talking Sweden and the UK, I think, is kombucha, fermented mm. green tea, or fermented tea, it doesn't have to be green. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, it's on yeah. the same, this, the reason is the same, it's yeah. a fermentation you want to... Yeah. You wanna so you've got kombucha, catch. you've got kefir, you've got uh, kimchi, the Korean sort of um, vegetables, oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. fermented vegetables. And of course, really famous uh, is the old-fashioned sauerkraut. Mm. Very healthy. There's one thing, though, that is if you buy it in a shop, it's never going to be as good as if you make it yourself. Mm. Um, but if you buy it, get organic, it's of good quality and so on. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, it's become very popular. Fermented foods a couple of years ago in the UK, all of a sudden, everybody started to talk about it, and and um, and all of a sudden, you could buy kombucha everywhere. And in, mm. that was that was not <laughs> that was not so normal in the before that. Mm. So this is what happens in biohacking. People start experimenting with it, and. Then it becomes from sort of a, a, a fringe activity. It becomes mainstream. If you stay with nutrition for a while and thinking about all the supplements you can eat and take, I read a book that I cannot remember the title of right now. I'll look it up if necessary. But it was all about you know what really is necessary. Looking at the nutrition we get from food today because of how food is manufactured today. Um, from that book, and I believe in it again. It was uh, somebody with a, yeah, I think it was also a doctor, mm. medical doctor, um, was that we don't get enough omega 3. Mm. Uh, and it's because of the balance between the different omega fats that omega 3 is being balanced out by omega 6, I think. Yeah. Do you exactly. recognize this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's something around that. Anyway, you can look this up, obviously, yeah. for yourself. But, but the idea of seeing a shop, filled with the supplements and knowing oh you know yeah. should i have all of it my conclusion from reading and studying a little bit was that i think i need for myself omega-3 plus vitamin d yeah which vitamin I think d. most people in uh, in the dark countries yeah. scandinavia are very aware of yeah i was going to say vitamin d you only take when you put your winter tires on <laughs> right. actually what i read was you take it all year round oh really but okay. anyway don't take that for i mean this is i do yeah. this for me don't take me so as the that's medical the advisor only, that's the only supplements you take uh yes i have to think now but it is yeah okay that's two. that's it yeah i take a lot more uh-huh. <laughs> so i take vitamin d in winter i take omega-3 i take uh, medicinal medicinal mushrooms uh, and I've just actually... So nothing f- magic about them then? Or? No, they're not magic. They are uh, uh, healthy, very healthy. Mm. Um, and recently read a book about that. And again, that's probably becoming mainstream more and more now. You can buy it on Amazon. So these are mushrooms that you... Most of them you can't really. They're not used in culinary um, purposes. So the only one really is... Um, Shiitake. Shiitake is a healthy mushroom that's also in uh, in the shop. You can cook with them. But some of these are extremely difficult to find and therefore it's not very cheap either. Mm. So medicine and mushrooms and I take a sort of a multivitamin uh, which has basically yeah, so, you know, lots of good stuff in and it. And that one I've read uh, I think different facts 
about from you, which is the reason I'm not taking it. So again, I shouldn't take our, what we're talking about as being, this is the truth, because I think there are some different schools. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting in talking about nutrition's um we we both tried what was it called again so this purely natural supplement you could take which increased your concentration for four hours what was that called again you mean um the pills yeah what are they called nootropics nootropics that's it so nootropics are a very specific type of supplement and nootropics you could call them smart drugs so essentially, they, they're natural products that help your brain focus. Uh, and these pills that we take are pretty strong, right? Uh, and they're very, very useful to help you concentrate. So we both tried them. My experience was that, yes, I got extremely focused yeah. uh, for a few hours. I think for five, five hours, perhaps, for me. And then afterwards, just like when you've had too many coffees, I got a dip. Yeah, I was tired. Same here. I you, think you that's very normal. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it, I think it's very useful if you have a big piece of work that needs to be done, mm. but you also need to plan for a dip for half an hour or so, mm. which gets us to in another mm-hmm. uh, aspect, which is daytime sleeping. Another biohack that you and I yeah. believe in, right? Yeah, this is interesting. So I read a book, many books now, but Matthew Walker, I think he he's one of the most well-known writers when it came to sleep studies uh, and this book came out a few years ago um and, and he talked about everything from you know when do you go to sleep when do you wake up how many hours and the different types of sleep and so on but he uh, extensively talked about the daytime sleep um for all ages mm. and uh, when you should when you should do it and the number of hours before you go for night sleep yeah so from memory correct me if i'm wrong the perfect daytime sleep for most people is around three yeah, now he's calculating average you know when would at average when they mm. go to sleep and how long people should should sleep seven hours is what he says basically yeah. and for me that that works perfectly with when i want to have a daytime nap mm. so it's around three o'clock and i have an aura ring of course and that measures when i sleep and it tells me exactly that you know after a week or two i look at my when did i have a, a, a rest period a daytime nap and it's always around between three and four. Mm. And this is also when, if you've taken these these nootropic spills in the morning, you've been sort of working, mm. it's for a, for a good four or five hours, it keeps you going. And then you have lunch, and then you have to, after lunch, after nootropics, the normal three o'clock dip. Mm. And then I sleep for 20 minutes. You it's perfect. What? I have a, so one of my friends, he's working for a Chinese company. He used to, I'm not sure if he's there anymore. And uh, in Sweden, but he was telling me that it wasn't at three o'clock though, but um, because he had an office, he had Chinese colleagues who, who came to his room and um, shared his room when they wanted to have a daytime nap. Mm. So he would have a Chinese colleague uh, napping next mm. to him because mm. it's, uh, I suppose, it's, you know, what you do. That's it's a more Chinese, normal. Yeah. It's, not, more it's a Chinese routine or it's very, very normal. Like we yeah. have a coffee, maybe they have a nap. I don't know. Yeah. But it sounded hilarious when I heard it the first time, uh, which yeah. is a while ago. And then when I read it more about it, of course, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. They probably, you know, they got it right there. Yeah. Which is actually that concept of nappuccino, right? Mm. So you have a coffee before you have your daytime nap. And then when the caffeine kicks in, you wake up. 
So this is Daniel Pink, who uh, has written quite a lot around management theories. And he wrote a book, When, which, which is all about timing, the timing of certain, certain things. Uh, so this is the timing of the perfect nap. So have your double espresso, wait for 20 minutes. No, have your double espresso, go to sleep for 20 minutes, mm. and then come back on your perfect form. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this this is according to studies and how long does it take the coffee to kick in and so on. Yeah, exactly. Have you tried it? Yeah, I've tried it. Um, but I have my daytime nap anyway around three o'clock. Yeah, yeah, but with days. the additional with the coffee. coffee. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't I don't think it made a huge difference. I wake up really really refreshed after twenty minutes. Yeah. Nap anyway. Yeah. So it didn't make a huge difference. I've tried it a few times, but no. Yeah. Now, of course, what you do if you are in an office, which is not, you know, it's not the Chinese culture where it's okay to <laughs> sleep no, at your there's desk. There's no sofa, yeah. What What do you do then? Yeah, I don't know. There are more and more offices where there are spaces to do this, right? So the meditation room, for example. Yeah. Um, it's funny to see airports, you know, you can, yeah. you've seen the, it's almost like the a cabinet pots. or yeah. a box. yeah. I wonder if that's going to be a new office equipment. Sleep pods, but they're, yeah. I mean, I know they're in Orlando here, but um, I haven't seen them in many other Helsinki, places. I've seen them. Yeah, so the Nordics are leading, I guess. I think I've seen them elsewhere. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. What so else? Wh what else? Um, should we talk about fasting? Oh, yeah. Mm. So. Oh, I had such a big resistance to yeah. trying that one out. Yeah. And the reason I got curious is, is obviously... Um, not obviously, but for me, the idea that you give the body rest from digesting and that energy from that is not needed for, for food digestion goes somewhere else. So yeah. you actually release energy for something else. Yeah. Now, so that was the temptation for me doing it, but I had a huge resistance before I could actually hmm. get there because so, I love my food in the morning especially. So what we're talking about here is intermittent fasting. Right, which is one form of fasting, and it essentially means that you, they generally say it's about sixteen hours in a twenty-four hour period. Sixteen hours, you don't uh, eat or drink any calories, so you can have coffee, tea, water without sugar and milk, um, but no calories. And and what that effectively means in practice is that you don't eat after dinner. And you don't eat until the next day lunchtime, so you don't have breakfast. And I find it really lovely, actually. The f last few hours of the 16-hour period, I feel that I get a lot of energy because all that energy that's normally going to the digestive system is then becoming available for our brain. So there is a period there for me when I'm really hungry and it gets to my mood. But now I've done it so many times, so I know once that hour is over... I also know I will get the reward, which is what you're talking about. So you kind of peak in energy. Yeah. So I think technically what's happening is that the body starts burning out the calories, right? Yeah. Uh, forgotten the term now. Maybe yeah. you remember it. It doesn't matter. The metabolism. Yeah, mm. but it, it, it changes into a different... Oh, yeah. Cat, 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 mm. well, anyway, cat, 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 well, this just shows that we're not specialists. <laughs> if, you, if you want to know the exact technicalities of this... Of course, you will read read up on it. I think this is more about you know what to experiment with and why. But the other additional um, side effect of this that I didn't expect was that once I had eaten uh, a meal or lunch in this case, 
was something around um, I felt very balanced. So mm. the um, temptation to snack, you know, afternoon snacks or bean biscuits or fruit or anything, it just went away. Mm. Mm. It's really interesting. So it, I think there's huge benefits. And again, that book that I mentioned earlier, The Diet Myth, that's another thing that he he hold, uh, holds up as a, um, as a as something that he didn't debunk. So in terms of a... Um, uh, the the idea of intermittent fasting there's quite a few scientifically proven benefits to it it gives you energy and of course if you want to lose weight it's an it's a it's a simple way to get less calories because you only eat for eight hours rather than the normal sure and if you don't hours. want to lose weight you have to pay attention to make sure you eat properly a few times you in eat after. more so yeah you eat more during obviously. the eight days yeah yeah, yeah. this is interesting though if you take intermittent fasting and look at all the world religions most of them have fasting. Yeah, exactly. As yeah. A, a practice. Yeah. So intermittent fast. There's obviously lots of other types of fasting. I've the maximum I've done is about five day fast with just water, and it 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 is. I haven't done it for many years. It is very interesting from a detox point of view that you start to really lose some of the, yeah, detoxifying your body, um, but it's not, it's not suggested to do that very often. I think. Uh, it's, I have no idea. I haven't no, read about it and I haven't done it, so I wouldn't know. So um, what else? Breathwork. Can we talk about breathwork? That's in a nice category of biohacks. Well, that is that is probably the closest to what I would call biohacking as yeah. it ever gets because it's it's fantastic. It's just amazing what breathwork can do. And it's quite recent, right? Yeah, yeah. That we got into that, both yeah. of us. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Maybe we have talked about this before. We've both done, well, a few different techniques, but I think the one... At the moment that I'm experiencing most with is Wim Hof breathing. Hmm. Yeah, and we have tried uh, recently in London. I have done many times. You've done it probably once. Is um, transformational breath work. Yeah, I've done it a couple of times yeah. also in Holland. And then there's another one that's called uh, holotropic breath work. Um, so, and there are a lot more pranayama. There's lots of different. Of course. But the use of the breath for health benefit. It's fantastic, really. Um, and the idea that we can, just by breathing slightly differently, we can get lots of fantastic benefits is mm. just very powerful. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, what I realized during some of these breath sessions was uh, at some point when you have done certain breath work, you get to a point where you feel so present and so restful because your breathing is so slow. You need to breathe mm. so little because mm. the body has already been filled with oxygen. So you don't need to be so concerned about breathing all the time. Yeah. And it's a fantastic sensation, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's a very nice, uh, it's a very nice practice. I yeah. really like to get into that or do that more often. Yeah. I started yeah. doing this very, very small, like five minutes in the morning sometimes. Uh, very simple. It's Wim Hof. It's based on Wim Hof breathing. It's mm. like a couple of cycles of that. It's great. Really great. So another thing I did this weekend, um, and I think you probably have it here. So right now here is Stockholm. But this weekend I was in Amsterdam and I tried something called cryotherapy, mm. which I know you've done many times. I had not done it in that way before. Well, I haven't done cryotherapy. And so cryotherapy, explain what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can imagine why you as a Swede even want to go close to this because it's about it's a freeze lab. So you basically go into a cupboard that is 
I don't know, minus 100? Minus 120, I think. Is it 120? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's very, very cold. Mm. So you uh, you put on your swimming suit and, and you are given some socks and uh, soft shoes and uh, gloves and cover for your ears. Uh, I think that's it. Mm. And and then you are, we were five. So five of us went into this cupboard or what do you call it? Mm. Yeah, box. the freezer. The really. freezer, the yeah. freezer. Yeah. So two stages. So the first stage is, is very cold. And then the second stage is the 120 minus. So it's super extremely, extremely cold. cold. Yeah. And you stay there for three minutes. Three minutes. Mm. Um, and the instruction is basically, you know, just breathe. Slowly. In through nose, out through mm. through mouth. Mm. And the interesting thing here, I think, is is it cold? Is the experience being cold? I suppose it is. My body started trembling and I could not entirely control that. And that's typical for a beginner, I think. Mm. Mm. But I could stay there. It wasn't, it didn't hurt. Let's put it that way. It wasn't painful. Mm. If mm. I compare it to being in an ice bath, which you've been more than I have, I found that painful in my hands and feet. Yeah. Here, I was not in pain. I was yeah. cold, but not in pain. Yeah, it's easier. So the, the ice bath is another element of the Wim Hof method. So Wim Hof is breath work and ice uh, exposure, cold exposure. And I um, I really believe that cold exposure is uh, extremely healthy on the body and the mind. So an ice bath, you you don't often have an ex have an opportunity to go into an ice bath, but if you do, I mean, it's an incredible experience. Um, but what is the next best thing is to have a cold shower in the morning, which I've done for over 40 years. Every morning I have a cold shower after my hot shower. So what, what do you know are the benefits of, of, uh, cold showers, ice baths, cryotherapy? Oh, there's so many different things. Well, and well, one very practical benefit is that I don't get cold. <laughs> so I'm oh. used to the cold and that has to do something with my brother would be much better at explaining this but it has to do with brown fat activation or something so so can you say what brown fat is uh, why is that good because cold treatments increase brown fat brown right fat. which then uses I don't know actually I can't no. really explain so again it. there is some really good reasons for it but isn't it that the immune system gets stronger that infections um any um inflammations mm. so you kind of you can use this as treatment for many conditions yeah and also exactly so to give a few examples one is that how this originally started cryotherapy that is not the ice bath cryotherapy started with the rugby teams uh, uh -huh. after a match going into a cryo uh, chamber to deal with the injuries so it it fixes the body very quickly and then another i mean it's a, it's a word of mouth the, the lady i met at the, at the freeze lab in amsterdam who told me that she couldn't um get out of bed until she started doing um cryotherapy mm -hmm. every day and because of rheum rheumatics and she um and she's walking and and moving around again mm. purely because of the cold exposure so there's some i mean all of this as, as pia said before we we don't give you the signs. We know there is signs. We've read about it, but we're not going to go into the specific details, but you can look it up yourself. Um, we're just talking about all the experiments that mm. we have done and and especially also the ones that have stayed, right? So if we if we look at, you know, the normal, usual, what can you do with this? I'm sure people, many people are doing many things already. Yeah. Um, but But what it comes back to in my mind is paying attention to the change that you make. 
So if you make a change to your, to your nutrition, if you make a change to your sleep, if you make mm. a change to your exercise, to your any treatment that you have, pay attention. What mm. is the impact on you? And maybe you need to do it a few times, maybe yeah. you know once. So, so some uh, yeah. patience is probably so required. So experiment, try things out, mm. and then look at what the impact is. Pay attention to what impact it has. And then based on that, you decide, yes, I'm going to continue this. Or now I'm going to chuck it out. Because maybe intermittent fasting is not good for everybody. I know yeah. for sure diabetic, uh, if you have diabetes, it's probably not a yeah. good idea. Yeah. And maybe ice bath doesn't work for everybody or cold shower or yeah. fermentation, fermenting food. But try it out, mm. right? And Unless there's the a good reason is. not to. I mean, yeah. if the doctor says differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so flotation is one that we haven't talked about. Oh, Quite a... Floating. Floating, yeah, flotation. Uh, mm. So I have a float center right around the corner from where I live in London, and um, I've tried it quite a, quite a few times. Uh, you have tried it as well, right? What did you think? Um, okay, so I got a little bit cold. So this is so one of my, <laughs> my one of my uh, I suppose fears is being cold, which is why I like the cold treatments because I'm working with my fear for being cold. So I don't think it. I enjoyed it as much as you do. And I think part of it is that I was a beginner. It was a new experience. I think it grows on you probably, would mm. be my guess. But I've mm. only done it once. So what's your experience? Uh, it was originally a... I think I I had some really fantastic um, altered states experiences. So a really mm. fe real feeling of out of body, for example, a few times. Um, a, I suppose it's the deepest form of relaxation I know. Uh, to put it differently, it's very easy to meditate in a flotation center. So I can easily meditate for an hour because that's how long it generally takes. Whereas I normally don't really meditate for an hour. I meditate for 10 or 15 minutes. So easy to meditate. Um, and huge energy afterwards. Really, really great energy afterwards. Yeah. That's some of the benefits, I would say. Hmm. And I, yeah. And maybe I would have some of them if I went mm. again. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, anything else? Well, I'd be very curious to hear what other people are doing. Yeah, and what's working. I mean, normally this is a conversation. So, talking about why are we talking about this? Because we normally talk about this because it yeah. is quite exciting. Yeah, to try out new things. Yeah, I mean, the normal. If you take some some usual things, is what happens if you stop eating meat. What does that feel like in the body? Hmm. Now, then you have to resist the temptation if you're a meat lover. That can you can you stay away from it? Is it worth the price then? Yeah. But something will happen in the body for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so there's some some simple things, and then you have, of course, yeah. what happens if you take away sugar? Yeah. Well, the I, number one poison. What happens yeah. if you take that away yeah. for real? Yeah. Are you prepared to offer to to give up? Yeah. The reward or the nice feeling from having sugar that you think it's, you know, anyway. Yeah. So I, I would say, yeah, the, the key takeaway from me from this is experiment. Mm. So we've talked about a lot of different things. And yeah, so um, try stuff, you know, Google it and try it out. Uh, see whether there is an opportunity for you to do it. I'll just, I'll just finish off with one final thing because this was hilarious when I read about it and I have not done it in the way it's being described. Forest bathing. 
which is the Japanese version of spending time in the forest. If you if you're born in Scandinavia, you think it, of course. Yeah. Um, and it it doesn't feel so um, so much a of biohacking. It doesn't feel like biohacking at all. It's just part of your lifestyle. Yeah. But if you take it away, if you are from Finland, Norway, Sweden, yeah. and so on, and you go somewhere where it's not available, I promise you, you will feel the yeah. negative. Yeah. Um, and this is the one thing I never, reflection. as you know, right? I never get into nature. Mm. I never get it. I mean, it's just a, a few times a year I get into nature, mm. apart from a park. Mm. No, well, and this is different. Yeah. So yeah, I can laugh on, about it, but when I am somewhere else for a few weeks where there is no forest, yeah. like I, London. I have the negative consequence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't say that, but yes. <laughs> um. Good. Okay. Anything else? Well, why don't you finish one of your beautiful mantras? I can see them here because you oh, haven't written down. Actually, but we haven't talked about testing, have we? Testing is also quite interesting. Testing? Yeah. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about measurement and you you know, you know, mentioned my Apple Watch and the Aura right, Ring, right, right. which is a Finnish company. The Aura Ring measures sleep and I love it actually. But anyway, um, Test, so you can test your blood. You can test oh, okay. your DNA. You yeah, can yeah. so there's lots of ways you can figure out about what is good for you. So there are so if you're experimenting with something, um, let's say you go for a blood test and you have high cholesterol, and then you experiment with a few different things. You Google in you know what do I do about that biohacks, and there's a few things. And you go for a blood test three months later, you can see what the the impact it has. So. I think those type of tests can be very important too. So I was going to mention that. And for the mantra, I think I would go with uh, Michael Pollan's favorite mantra. Uh, so he has written several books about nutrition. And he ends up by saying, well, it's actually seven words. Eat food. So not rubbish, right? Food is something that actually looks like food. Something like that your grandmother would recognize as food. So eat food, not too much. Mostly plants. <laughs> <laughs>